You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? I hope everybody is having a blessed, blessed and happy Tuesday. Remember, today is voter registration day. We got some events going on out there in Rainier Beach, so I just wanted to say that first. Um, yesterday was just such an amazing show. I want to really thank T- Tony and the members of Vocal Walk um for coming on yesterday but today we're gonna get into the news and i'm just so happy to be sitting next <laughs> sitting next to the rick flair of converge come on man you know what i'm saying i mean i say i'm the rock yeah, yeah. <laughs> you smell yeah. when big o is cooking right <laughs> how you doing oh man I'm, I'm doing all right all you right. know what i'm saying i'm just i, I would have reaffirmed this that black media matters and just because we black media we ain't cheap by far yeah <laughs> okay. You we know, love our people, right? You had to be on the set. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but black does not equate to cheap. Yeah. Matter of fact. Yeah. Anyway, that's a different so, story. Anyway, I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> We've been having so much fun. Today we got Cliff on the show, but we did want to go over some of the news. So hold on. What happened this weekend now? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. I'm ready. We got, we got some photos in there. Yeah. You're not in any of them. But we we got, <laughs> we got some photos in there. So by the way, so we gotta let everybody know. See, there's there's a there's a few things, right? I'm gonna do it for you here today. I know you just jump right into yeah. it. So cameras right here. Good morning, everybody. Want to welcome you to the day with Trey right here on Converge Media Network. Guest hosted all this week by my colleague Deontay Damper. Today will be my last day here on set. He's got it from here on. Want to remind everybody out there to make sure and tag and share the stream. Tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information broadcasting from downtown. But with the heart of the South End. With the, how, with the heart that? of the you, South you End. Shout out pretty, to Dre. Shout out to Dre, my bill brother. See, now you just no, taking sorry, it somewhere. I'm hold sorry. on, hold on. Almost done. Um, yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna check out the day with Trey, hosted by Deontay Damper, you can also catch that uh anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. That's Google, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple, over two hundred different platforms. All you have to do is search. Converge Media Network. Now back to you, Deontay. I do have some news from City Hall to get okay. into. Oh, what were the, what was the news in City Hall? I seen that they were You're talking about weed, man. Oh, oh the ganja, <laughs> the ganja. Okay. So, so first of all, it was my first time in City Hall in like five months. You know, I told you I was like, I'm over these jokers. Yeah. But um, w- one. It's hard for me sometimes not to show up because, you know, we're only two blocks from City Hall. Right. But the 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 presser yesterday and the bill signing was the cannabis equity bills. Right. And so the city of Seattle signed in uh, yesterday. Mayor Harrell signed three bills relating to cannabis equity. And, you know, man, the cannabis, we always is real skeptical over here when we talk about cannabis and cannabis equity, man, because, you know, black people traditionally in this state, man, we get flim flammed, um, you know, sham shuckle, <laughs> run a buck, and bamboo- let, and let bamboo- astray, bamboozled mm-hmm. a- a- around everything cannabis. But uh, so I popped up there yesterday and 
I was really surprised, to be honest with you. There was a lot of it was a really a broad coalition of people like you. You had um, you you had people from the unions. The UFCW was there. Um, you had different stakeholders and retailers and, and even growers that were present. Then you had different um, community groups like the Freedom Project and all these guys. They yeah. were they was all in it. It was bunched up behind the mayor. But, you know, I took the opportunity to as usual when I'm in City Hall, I want to ask the questions that people the final mile want to hear. People don't want to hear all this legalese and everything else. So the first clip right here is I'm asking Mayor Harold to, to clearly explain what this uh, legislation is all about. Speaking to people specifically from our, our neighborhood, the Central District, or the South End of Seattle, within this municipality, one, people who've directly been impacted, maybe incarcerated or, or got a record around marijuana, and also, two, maybe entrepreneurs or people who want to go into this industry. What exactly do these bills do in a straightforward kind of way? Sure. I'm going to answer that, and that's, thank you for that question. I'm going to answer that, and then I'm maybe going to ask Brianna or Tedesca if they want to chime in a little bit. So the first thing, as you talked about, as you astutely pointed out, we have to work with the community to find out exactly what our needs are. And when we talk about the effects today, not just in terms of economic loss, we're missing out on this multi-billion dollar industry, but we also still have the effects of institutional racism on what it caused to our families. Even and it goes all the way in our equity work and even the property acquisition. So the first thing we are going to fund is this needs assessment. It's not going to be a top-down approach. We're working with those who do work in the areas of uh, redress and harmful effects in communities. We'll figure out where we need to make sure our investment strategy goes. Then, with respect to the licensing process, when we look at these uh, no-charge social equity license concept. We have to lower the barriers of entry to make sure that, quite frankly, the community's impact, black folk, people of color, that they are enjoying the benefits of this decriminalized industry as everyone else. In fact, one would argue more so in the sense of these, these communities are impacted the most. So that's going to be true equity. The, the other piece is going to be the industry is growing. We are one of the first um, states to decriminalize it and it's fraught with inconsistencies in terms of safety and wage theft. People trying to game a system because the safeguards in place. How do we address that and make sure our community is protected? So that's the needs assessment piece and we'll convert that needs assessment into real legislation. And quite candidly, we have to lead the state and lead the federal policies in this discussion. We figure this stuff out here in Seattle. Seattle is willing to invest in this space to make sure it's done right in this country as this country puts their arms around this issue. I hope I left something for either uh, Brianna or Tedessa to say if I messed up in any way. I think that's the basics of those three pieces of legislation. We are protecting workers with safeguards, economic and in their workplaces. We're making sure that the black community has redressed from the fact that they were displaced in the transition from medical to recreational cannabis. We know there was not an equity lens 
during that process and we're working to get that right this time here at the city level. As the mayor mentioned, we can't do it by ourselves. We need the state to take action and we'll be watching this legislative session. And last but certainly not least, we're making sure that those barriers to entry, we're getting the cost as low as possible with social equity licensing here at the city level. And we're ready for ancillary businesses whenever the state is. Hope that answered your question. All right. So, Deontay, so basically, you know, anytime you ask a politician to just tell it like it is, it's still more than just <laughs> yeah. like it is. But uh, so what Mayor Harrell is saying is that this legislation is one, they want to listen to community that's been most impacted by the war on drugs um, and be able to find a way to repair past harm. Uh, the second thing is, is the lowering the barrier to entry to, to people who are seeking licenses. And the third thing, of course, is why the union was there was safety in these dispensaries. You know, man, it's all about Jack and kidnapping yeah, yeah. these dispensaries. It goes down, it gets funky. And so those are the, the three things that these three different bills are supposed to address. And it's really I think that it's really important. And I think that one of the things that I respect is the diversity of people that were there, right? Impacted. I would love to see more impacted people <laughs> a part of these panels and a part of the planning of this, right? And um, I do want to definitely shout out Trey, who actually brought brought this to my attention. She actually spoke at a city council um, panel on this specific discussion. So shout out, Trey. Yeah. So I don't smoke but I know the equity is important. But when <laughs> I, I did, <laughs> but when I did, nah, but you know, so here's the thing is too, is that what really needs to happen, right? And so the dispensaries, dispensary is cool, the license is cool, but you know, one, the city is, is all the good locations are kind of taken, right? But you know, it's cool, you still get a license, but you know, it's, it's capital intensive yeah. to, to that business. What they need to do is, is uh, change the law so somebody could just have like a cafe. Yeah, because you know, I mean, that's something that we already know in our community. As many as many of our community open restaurants and lounges and stuff like that. If you could have your Bud Cafe, or you could go and you know what I'm saying, your Bud and Breakfast, or you could right. go Bud and Breakfast. That, hello, that sound like uh, or you could go and you know your restaurant as well, right. but whatever. Because when you talk about an actual uh, a barrier to entry and lowering a barrier to entry. You know, that that's an, another uh, thing when they call it all the ancillary things around around marijuana. Something else, though, on this topic that was real important, as you know, before the law changed and everything, there was a lot of black businesses that were were in the medical marijuana dispensaries. You know, medical marijuana was your business. And these guys came and changed the law. And basically all the black folks was put out of business. And, you know, of course, all the non-black folks kind of got the licenses, right? And so as a reporter there, uh, his name escapes me, but from Real Change, Real Change is on the job, and asked the mayor that now that the, the city acknowledges the harm to to the, the black uh, medical marijuana business owners, what does the city plan to do? I'm curious specifically about the medical transition. Um, you mentioned the harm the city has done and uh, the taking out of wealth of that community. It was specifically done by a city ordinance. Do you feel we owe those businesses, many of which were black owned, any form of redress? And if you do, what will that be in more concrete terms, economic licensing, other than just 
you get a free license. Well, I think you so, get a free license is a pretty solid start, but we are going to do like thousands, tens of thousands, and then hundreds of thousands of dollars in business and generations worth of wealth that was potentially built. No argument there. Really but operating I, businesses and like that. I'm just curious, you know. I'm just trying to answer your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarify. So I think that's why we're having the needs assessment, and those folks will be at the table. They were part of this conversation. They've been guaranteed a seat. You can you heard it here first because I want to hear what they need. I don't want to presume what it is they need. I think government does plenty of that. So I think we'll be doing a lot of listening on the front end. What it is exactly they're asking for in terms of restitution and legislation moving forward. So the reporter there from Real Change is pressing the line. He's like, you know, uh, so he asked a question. Of course, Brianna, that's Brianna Thomas right there. You might remember Brianna Thomas ran for um, city council position nine. Mm. Uh, and she is now the labor liaison for from the Harrow administration. And, you know, a question being like, how are you guys going to repair harm for these black businesses that a city ordinance put out of business? And, you know, she was like, well, you know, uh, a free license is a good start. But homie pressed the line. He was like, and right, right. <laughs> he's like, you know, an, an operating business that was put out of business. Man, what's the long term effect of that? A generational wealth and all these other things. But um, in, in the city's defense um, and Brianna Thomas defense, she said, hey, we're listening and they're going to have a, a, a more a shorter listening period. So not like we're going to listen for the next three years or something, right. but maybe over the next 12 months. But I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm always skeptical of government like I'm supposed to be. But I can say that this is a step. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, you know, if things come together like this legislation, um, uh, intends it to do, then it should be a step forward. You know, I, I'm I'm also skeptical of uh, of people in offices, but I will sh- I will shout out the administration for pushing this through. I thought it was going to take a while because um, <laughs> it usually does, like with dangling a carrot, especially. But I just hope that they continue to be more intentional when it comes to us. All right. So I got two other things here for you. We promised everybody yesterday, yesterday we talked about finding go. Uh, and so we said we'd save some of the pictures for today. So the first thing is this is from this weekend. This is Wana Wari walk the block. I know you didn't make it. I did not. Yeah, you can. It, there you, that was your cue, Daryl. When I said walk the block, you see how I left the block hanging. Block. That's your Look cue. At it. <clears throat> So, yeah, so photos from over in the Central District, you know what I'm saying? Gentrifier is not allowed. But, man, this was dope. You know, all throughout the Central District, it was all kinds of different art, art displays happening there. And one time for Wanawari, man. Yes, absolutely. Like, Wanawari is just, they're really just grounded in it. You feel me? Right. When I say, what you no one needs to be on the block, they are hugging our block. They are, they are oh, making man. people, they're making their presence known and let alone still advocating to heal our community. That's- yeah. And, you know, I mean, the best thing is, is for us, community is really important. Community, our community and community is important. And just these opportunities just to be around people, you don't have to be into art to to experience the sense of community. Right. So that was really dope. I got one more. I know I'm over time over here for you. No, you are. OK. <clears throat> Hello. OK, Deontay, I like your show. You are OK. <clears throat> Excuse me, because. Trey Holiday, give me the look. Most people don't know the look. Okay. Trey Holiday be like, boy, if you don't get off my set, <laughs> Trey be like, you overtime. If you don't get off, I'd be like, dang, the queen has spoken. Okay, Trey, I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. So this one, we talked about Aunt Viv yesterday, man. Yeah, yes you know what I'm saying? Art noir. Yeah. Uh, 
it's tough to go from Ebonics to French. Yeah, you, you got it. Arte Noir. But nah, so this is this is dope. Uh, like I said, Auntie Viv, Vivian Phillips, everybody up there, you know, um, this just opened in Midtown. You can go ahead and put this up, Daryl. Um, 23rd in Union, man. You know what I'm saying? 23rd in Union, the reunion on Union, the Renaissance on Union. And this is a black art space. And I tell you, Deontay, it is beautiful, brother. Oh, man, I cannot wait to go. Miss Phillips, I'm on my way just to see the art that's out there in the exhibit, just to see Union lighting back up with our community, let alone we have what communions right around the corner. We, we we are we're out there. The jerk Shack's going in. Miss Helen's going in. Jerk Shack's. A, hold on, wait a minute. I missed that. You know that? Oh, it's about to be on and popping. This is what I'm saying. It's bad. The block is hot. Right. You know, in, in a good way. Wanawari's right around the corner. Like Liberty Building. Look yeah, at us. You know, we're we all over the block. There. <laughs> get my hair cut. Get my hair cut. Earl's like, I think I got my whole weekend planned out next week. I mean, man, that's community. You know what I'm saying? And it's the intentionality of people in in our community. Um, and even in partnership with developers, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying, uh, to to make a lot of this happen. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. Oh, like, you know, being from the CD, right, watching how gentrification impacted us, how mm. do you feel when you are looking at your community members that you grew up with that were your mentors come back and take it back? How does that feel <laughs> you, for you? You know, I feel is... Um, I used to do a lot, of, a lot of stuff. We used to cover gentrification and displacement a lot more before, you know, COVID and Seattle protests. And I used to do these interviews with different publications nationally. And I tell them the difference between us and Seattle and a lot of other cities across America is we ain't waving the white flag. We fight for every single inch of our neighborhood and we ain't never going to stop fighting. And it's that fight. Yeah. It's the fight, bruh. It's the fight that creates the space now for people to come back. They got pushed out. We ain't never quit. It's a lot of black communities across America where they waved that white flag. And they was like, man, you know, we lost it. We fighting for every single inch and we're going to continue to fight for it. So when I see fam come back to the CD, hell yeah, man, it's heartwarming. That is amazing. Well, you know, do my thing. Well, thank you for the news. Yeah, no, it's all good. So just a heads up. So tomorrow, so both me and Brian Callen are out. So Brian's going to send you something okay. with an update because, you know, the happiest guy in West Seattle. Talk about some of the bridge and what's going on over the city council. And I'm sure you'll get something for you. I'll either see you live over video link tomorrow or we'll pre-record something. But I just want to tell you, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, I appreciate you, O. I appreciate you. And now I got to give you that look that Trey gave me. Like yeah, this. Now, <laughs> now, when we come back, we we have Habitat for Humanity's Cliff Cawthorn. You are watching A Day with Trey. Baseball is a beautiful game, especially when played in community. Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the road to Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial, all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love to preserve the cultural legacy. 
Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film, Reconciliation Tour, at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad to have y'all back here. Now I'm here with my lovely guests. I call this him. He's like a brother to me, but I'm just happy that he is continuing his journey in making sure we are holding people accountable in our areas of policy for housing from Habitat from Humanity. Cliff Cawthorn. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. And just be clear, dude, you officiated my wedding, your family. Yes. Like you can come to family reunions. Okay. Mind you, you might have to take a flight or two like South Carolina or New York. Yeah, but you can do it. Shout out to moms, too. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how shout are you? To, shout out to my mom. Anyway, yes. um, you know what? I'm both thrilled and happy, especially to see you in the space. But also I am burning fierce, uh, just fiercely burning with righteous indignation about the housing crisis that we have in front of us. So I'm really eager to discuss that with you. Yeah. So let us know how, how deep that is in our community. Like we know we have these conversations, mm-hmm. but how deep is, is the housing crisis here in Western Washington? So we like actually every other major city around and even minor city around the country are facing both a housing shortage and affordability crisis. In fact, um, you know, when um, Omari was talking earlier about fighting for every inch and all the amazing coverage that Converge has done around uh, gentrification and displacement, that um, we have seen the impacts of the worst of the housing crisis in the central area. So on the one hand, we have this amazing resistance that's happening through placemaking and through the creation of affordable uh, affordable uh, units that we see in Liberty Bank building, but also for what Habitat does. So Habitat is an affordable housing developer. And also um, we are an uh, agent of advocacy and um, we advocate for permanently affordable housing to yeah. be able to build that. Okay. And, and, and that being said, how does that affect Black and black and brown. Folks. Yes, we do see it during crisis. Mm-hmm. So when I lived in Florida, I remember seeing it mm-hmm. during the hurricanes. But that's a that's a roundabout thing. But how does that affect black and brown? So I'm glad you brought up Florida because that for black and brown folks and particularly, you know, for a black community, we are often the most impacted by any socioeconomic shock. And I use that word very intentionally. So shout out to my folks that have read the shock doctrine. But when, you know, we saw in Florida, in New Orleans, when there are traumatic events, right, that in that the kind of, um, you know, the kind of development, the policies that are put into place after that because of how vulnerable we are in these shocks because of the historic disenfranchisement that we have um, suffered our hands at and that we have resisted but still have to deal with that often um, that we are not always able to catch those policies being made. So one of the things I want to lean in here is that one, when it comes to building permanently affordable housing, which we do about a third of our recipients, uh, you know, a third of our homeowners are black, mm-hmm. right? And what we're doing is we're building community, right? And then two, when it comes to the kind of advocacy and the policy priorities we have, the one of the big, 
big policy priorities that I both personally and professionally are really excited about is supporting black home ownership, which yeah. means supporting down payment assistance, which means supporting uh, policy change to create um, you know, more opportunities for affordable home ownership. Right. And I'll yeah. get to that part in a second. Not yeah. just uh, affordable well, housing, but home ownership, but also supporting black led organizations. Right. Because for us, you know, we fully acknowledge that, you know, Habitat is not traditionally black led organization, but we partner with a number of black organizations in this area, um, you know, and also our other affiliates around the country. And, you know, many of our staff come from the community that, you know, we want to make sure that the good that we're the work that we're doing is in line with the community. Right. And see, and the thing about what I'm just so happy that you're at this mark. Right. I, I know that. <clears throat> Like, you're not new to this, you're true to this. Can you well, let people know about some of the history of you working in the areas of housing? Um, you know what? I've spent my life in service of the people. Actually, on the way here, um, just to kind of get myself pumped, I remember, um, you know, this. Uh, there are two speeches uh, by Fred Hampton. Now, I want to misquote them, but uh, basically, you know, to dare to, um, if you want to win, you have to dare to struggle. Um, and again, probably miss uh, quoting that, but, um, you know, I bring that up because my entire career has been service to the people. So ever since I uh, came to Washington, um, almost 10 years ago, I've worked in labor movement. I've worked in, um, I've worked in the community often, you know, fighting for, um, black spaces for, uh, particularly struggles that center us around housing. So, you know, when I was, uh, the organizing director for, uh, standing against foreclosure and eviction in Seattle, um, uh, you know, we were one of the groups that was in at Ground Zero, 23rd Union. And before this, I was at Sightline, which is a think tank here in um, a think tank here in uh, Seattle uh, that works on uh, various housing policies, um, as well as environmental policies that significantly impact communities of color. And within that, I was uh, strategically working with various organizations in order to make sure that our voices were heard, because in those rooms, I am often the only person that looks like me. I know a lot of people tend to say that when they, you know, come from uh, those spaces and talk about their experiences. But um, and also I teach uh, at Bellevue College part time. So I'm still currently teaching. And, you know, we have a, actually a really good Yemoja program on there. So, yeah. um, you know, when I had a panel a few years back, uh, a couple of years back during the pandemic, we brought black political consultants and they're all saying the same thing. And they were saying that, look, that if we want to change that and if we want to see better outcomes for our communities, then we have to stay down. We have to stay 10 toes down in, you know, in these spaces, making our voice heard. And also I want to shout out that this is National Voter Registration Day yeah. and um, the importance of that. So if you know someone if you uh, who isn't registered, register them. If they've recently moved, update their registration because both these elections as well as the movement in the streets, they matter. Absolutely. As and well so, as black led media. Right, right. As well as, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And so now like, Either way, like when, when you're out here in this area of, of working for Habitat and Humanity, like how can how can black and brown folks or people in our community get more access to that? Absolutely. Is there any numbers or any con- ways to contact? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. So okay. all they have to do is take out their phones and text Habitat 
to uh, 231 Habitat. So for, um, well, you know, I'll just say older millennials like us, that would be 231. I'll just make sure you remember a number, 422-4828. So text the word Habitat to 231-422-4828. And now this is going to bring up a message where you can be at, added to our advocacy alerts. Okay. And I should add that in the next next few months that you're going to be seeing more advocacy alerts from us because of what's happening locally, but also the fight that we're going to see in this upcoming legislative session. Yeah. And see, and that's where I was going to kind of segue in kind of last question, right? Of course, of course. So I know that like last year you were running for city council, right? Mm -hmm. And then here we are now you're out here working on these policies for housing. What is next for you? So um, I just want to specify Kent City Council. Kent City Council. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you no, don't know about it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, um, I wanted to shout out, you know, our communities in South King County because those are increasingly, um, you know, becoming the, um, you know, no disrespect to CD and the revitalization we're seeing there by us and for us, but those are becoming the center of, you know, black, uh, you know, black and brown community, or at least where we go rest our heads at night, um, you know, because of displacement, but we're still making it work and, you know, we're still building there. Now, what is next apropos to that is, um, well, a couple things for me, what I'm uh, focusing on right now is tackling local and uh, county policies when it comes to housing. And mind you, it's only my third weekend. So, you know, I'm still uh, really getting used to this position, but there's a lot going on um, with the comprehensive planning process and, um, you know, a lot of um, those uh, kind of development processes that um, affect housing and conversations around funding permanently affordable housing. But next session, this next legislative session, that there is a potential for us to be able to win on an ambitious legislative agenda that's going to really change the game when it comes to housing. And I, for one, want our community, a black community, brown people, working people to be at the center of that because our voices deserve to be heard and our needs deserve to be addressed. Yes. And I appreciate you for continuously trying to, uh, it, it, for not trying, but doing the thing of making sure that our needs are met, making sure that you're being the voice for the voiceless. I appreciate you so much, Cliff. Hey, I appreciate you and too, family. Yes. And thank you so much for coming here today. Absolutely. And also, i uh, just going to shout out again, yeah. uh, text the word Habitat yeah. to 231 Habitat. That is 231-422-4828 uh, okay. because not everyone remembers the uh, keys with the letters on them. Yes. <laughs> I know that's right. Thank you so yeah, no, much, right. Cliff. So in the meantime, everybody, I want to thank y'all again for for being here today, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll we'll do a quick recap and tell you what's going on tomorrow. You're watching a day with Trey. All right, y'all. That's all the time we have today. Now, tonight, y'all, we still converge is still going on because tonight at 830 is the truth with proof that starts at 830. Y'all. So remember, he has an amazing great guest. You don't want to miss it. OK. And then keep in mind tomorrow I shall be with you again on my lonesome. Oh, giving me the reins. I appreciate that, brother. But tomorrow we'll be talking about education with Apollonia Washington. Oh, I almost called her Williams. Apollonia Washington from A for Apple Daycare. I think it's going to be. We, She's from the CD, so we're going to be talking about childhood education and some great things that she has going on with Kate, the paint lady. You do not want to miss it. Thank you guys for joining the day with Trey. Y'all have a blessed day.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.